I, um, I want to springboard off uh, something that Sarah shared on last week, um, this week. So if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Um, um, how do English people say Isaiah? It's gone out of my mind. Thank you. Why would that happen to me? Well, that's my, it's like Isaiah. People will laugh at me when I say it. What was it again? Isaiah. She was in Isaiah 35. And um, sorry, it may well be one of those mornings. We were in Isaiah 35. And um, I was sat um, just at the front listening to Sarah. We hadn't talked about what we were going to be sharing over the next little while. Because some of with people being here, there and everywhere, we just tend to pull out single one-off messages that we feel like the Lord's speaking to us about and share those. We, we start our new series um, at the end of September. But anyway, Isaiah 35. And there was such a, uh, I felt for me it was such a breakthrough moment of once again um, allowing the promises of God, the reality of a God who can break through in any time, season and moment into our lives and see significant change. That the promise that we find written in Isaiah 35, which was for Israel, as we, as we glean that into our lives... We understand that, that there is life that flows from God towards us. That actually when we, when we understand that the goodness of God, the character of God, the faithfulness of God as it's pointed towards my life, it, it comes with it a whole raft of promises. It comes with it a raft of promises that means that when it hits my life, no matter where I am, what's happening, I can have faith for and believe for breakthrough. Because of who God is. Not because of my ability to navigate these situations that I find, but because of entirely who God is. And in Isaiah 35, again, there is this, um, there is this whole context, the beginning section of those verses, where God's reminding us that, that we, can, we can live strengthened because God is for us. We can live strengthened because of who God is. And that brought me so much courage. And I'd already been thinking about um, what I wanted to share this morning. And, 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 it, and it struck me, as Sarah said something quite interesting. She said, you know, as much as God is, is positioned to, uh, to, to see breakthrough in our lives, as much as it's amazing to think about the goodness of God, as amazing as it is to think about all the resource of God being pointed towards my life to bring healing, restoration, and redemption in my life, that actually, as a result of that, life flows through me. And I, I, this resonated with me so strongly because what I wanted to talk to us this morning about is about our decision-making at the point of whether we decide life is going to flow through me towards others. I think we would all agree if we were to say, you know, we want to experience the impact of relationship with God that impacts my life to bring healing and wholeness, that I would find in myself growth and maturity happening because I'm walking with God, right? We all want that. But how many of us at that point of recognizing that actually God's blueprint for the flow of his life and restoration and healing and all of that stuff isn't, doesn't end with us, but we become a conduit of that life and redemption to people around us. How many of us say, oh, that's, I'm, I'm in for that as well? Probably less. 
And I feel like in life there are so many um, things that we find in our walk with God where we're faced with a decision as to whether we say yes to the Lord, whether we say no, or whether we find ourselves in a sort of middle camp of maybe so. And our life is, we want to continue to say yes to God. God, come and impact my life. Come and walk with me. Come and heal me, restore me. Come and be with me. But how many of us are prepared to then, as a result of that, say, I'm going to allow that life and restoration and healing and who, everything of who God is flow through me to people around. And I feel like that's one of the challenges that I want to bring this morning. There are things in our walk with God that demand a response from us. And not just a yes and no, but a response of our lives. You know, the normal Christian life is full of opportunities for us to confidently and boldly say yes to Jesus, and not just in rhetoric, but in action. Right? There's plenty of opportunities, I believe, day in, day out, that we get the opportunity to demonstrate our true consecration, our, our true givenness to the cause of Christ, and not just to say, yes, I will follow you in a moment, but to say, yes, I turn over my life to follow you with all of who I am. The normal Christian life is full of those opportunities to say yes. And I think the things that we journey with as a church family to try and equip you with, whether it be on a Sunday or in the context of community, this equipping is really um, giving us opportunities, moments to understand not just who God is, but who we are in the light of who he is. That we understand that our lives are positioned with purpose, with kingdom purpose. And then we want to find times to be equipped and strengthened and tooled so that we can say yes constantly, consistently, with boldness to the things that God's asking us to do. You know, following Jesus is not just a decision uh, that we made to say yes to the gospel. It's saying yes with the whole of our lives. It demands something of a radical response. Saying yes to the good news of Jesus is amazing, but saying yes with the whole of our lives to the radical discipleship, following Jesus, wherever he goes, whatever he's doing, being connected to the Father to such a degree that we see what he's doing, we add the strength and conviction of our lives to those things. That's a very different type of following than saying yes in a moment simply to the gospel. And I want to challenge us with some thoughts um, this morning, because I feel like uh, one of the things that would uh, show up in our community as a journey of maturity is not being people who simply feed from God, that our needs are met, but that we understand that as we are strengthened and matured in him, that actually we become the answer to other people's problems, that we, that we become a conduit to the life and the ministry and the heart of the Father to people around us that desperately need to know that God loves them. That we become a conduit for love. We become a conduit for grace. And in all of these things, that, that God would be in, in all times and in all seasons glorified for the incredible Father that he is. And we're positioned right in the middle of that journey between God and humanity that he placed on us the great commission to demonstrate to the world around us just how good a dad they really have. I, um, I was speaking at a conference in Switzerland about three months ago um, and uh, 
one of the other guys who was speaking at the conference was a guy called Todd White. Have any, any of you heard of Todd White? Really amazing guy. It was beautiful just to get to know him. I've, I've heard, I, I went to Reinhard Bonnke's school a couple of years ago and Todd spoke there. I was really impacted by his lifestyle Christianity message, which was ultimately, um, how do we take the reality of our sonship and demonstrate it to the world around us so that, they, so that the world and people and lives are touched by the love of God, the love of the Father, such that they can see who he is and respond to the gospel. And Todd is, is somebody who lives this um, contagious, extravagant, radical, normal Christian life, which, fight, which um, leads him into places where he, he, through absolute conviction and boldness, he is preaching the gospel and healing the sick uh, on airplanes. And think about it, when he tells airplane stories, I'm like, this is like, you can't get off an airplane. Like, there's no exit strategy on an airplane when you are praying for, praying for somebody who's dying on an airplane, which he has done, and saw him come back to life. Like, there's no, like, there's no exit strategy. It's like, that's a long-haul flight when, you've, when things don't go right. But anyway, got to spend some time with Todd. Super impressed by his message. Super impressed by the things I hear from him on the stage. Amazing, very, very encouraging, lots of stories uh, that really whet my appetite, got me excited, got me thinking, how am I going to become a conduit for what God wants to do on the earth? Really excited by, by who he is and what he was sharing. What I was more impressed with was uh, two things. One is ability to devour steak. That's uh, always something that impresses me. But in the context of this meal that I had with him, we went out for uh, dinner together and about five minutes into uh, us being there, um, he, the waitress was coming to take our order. And he, out of nowhere, no context, no grid for what he was about to just say, he just turns and with absolute compassion in his eyes and in his voice and actually just in who he is, he said, hey, I need you to know, to the waitress, I need you to know, to know God really loves you. I was like, wow, that... That's, that's amazing. He must do that everywhere, which I'm sure he does. But there was, it, it wasn't just, a, it wasn't just a, um, a delivery of truth to a set of ears for them to hear and acknowledge a truth. It was a, what he was able to do in just even just saying those words, hey, God really loves you. He conveyed something of God's heart into this woman's life. And she was visibly moved. It was, it was a few words, but she was visibly moved. A couple of minutes later, waitress is back over. And um, Todd says, I, I hate to interrupt you again. I, I need you to know God loves you. And can I ask you a question? And he said, um, he said do, you have, do you have back pain? And she was like, I do, I do have back pain. I have pretty bad back pain. And she he said, is it hurting right now? And she's like, yeah, it's hurting right now. And he said, God really loves you. And he told me that your back was hurting now. And he wants to heal your back. Would it be okay if I prayed for you? And the lady was like, okay, sure. So Todd and I both stood up and we prayed for her. And instantly, her, the pain in her body left her body. We said, how are you feeling? She, and she moved her back and she said, all the pain's gone. All the pain's gone. And she began to weep. She began to cry. And um, I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is like one of those stories I hear when you share your... And I'm just like, along for the ride. Um, and, uh, 
And so as this kind of conversation led on, we discovered that um, a lady was a Muslim lady. And, that, um, and Todd just began to share with her about Jesus. And about the fact that, that, that Jesus is the only God who loves unconditionally. doesn't require anything other than to be present in her life. And would she like to know Jesus? This Jesus that has just removed the pain from her back. And she said, I'd like to know Jesus. And Todd led her to the Lord right there and then in the restaurant. She met Jesus. She met the love of the Father tangibly as, as the pain left her body. But all of that started by the revelation. And not, again, it wasn't just a simple few throwaway words, God loves you, in the way that we might do in here. Oh, by the way, God loves you. That, that's good. He conveyed something of the reality of the love of the Father in his, in his voice, in, uh, in his conviction. And it began a chain of events that ultimately led to this lady being healed, set free, and in relationship with Jesus. And it, it challenged me, and it, it continually challenges me, because what I find in someone like Todd, and what I hope for and am envious for my own life, is that I could be such a, I could be so deeply convinced of the love of God, that it would emanate from me in such a tangible way, that when I move beyond my fear, when I move beyond the things that would hold me invisible, and I dare to believe that God would want to touch the people around me that don't yet know him, I... I want for that level of conviction, that level of reality that I could speak to somebody and tell them, express to them the deep love that the Father has for them and it would move their heart to such a degree that it would be open to receive Jesus. And I was challenged in that moment to realize that that what, Todd was what Todd was demonstrating what again he travels the world to equip the church into this this isn't a model of evangelism like that's one of the things I had to realize very very quickly and I I learned it in that moment like this is not a evangelistic tool or a strategy throughout my Christian life I have been desperate to find the evangelistic strategy the evangelistic tool how many of you were around many many years ago and came across things like evangelism explosion. Any of you? All right. I, around that time, there was another thing called the way of the master. Sounds really weird. It is. Um, anybody of you ever watched countless editions of way of the master on some form of Christian television? All right, but there are, the, there are these models out there which I was desperate to glean from because I desperately want to see people know Jesus. I desperately want to be used by God to see salvation. And I was like hungry for any particular tool that I could find. But all of the ones that I had discovered um, um, left me feeling a little short because they were a ways to move people through a series of questions for them to acknowledge that they were a sinner in need of Jesus and in a moment potentially, potentially pray that Jesus would come in and deal with the reality of their sin. And then in, in someone like Todd and, and, and seeing how this is not a strategy or a tool, but he was, able to, he was able to crack open heaven with his own life and demonstrate something of the love of God to a lady and back that up with the full inheritance of the kingdom of heaven, which was the healing of her back. And then to lead her into an acknowledgement that actually as somebody who had experienced the love of God through healing, that actually it, 
she was loved so much that, that, um, that she could understand fully the reality of a God who loved her so much that he sent Jesus. Like this over here, this encounter with Todd opened my eyes to the fact that actually, as much as God wants to position his love and his grace and his mercy towards me, that the very next step is that he wants me to reflect that very, very redemption, that very mercy, that very healing and restoration to a world that is broken and needs to know how much they're loved. But my observation in that moment and the thing that's challenged me over this last three months is that it requires a, a consistent and bold yes to bring the life of God to uh, any of the situations that I find myself in. It requires me to move beyond some of my own insecurities and into a, a deep conviction and a constant and a bold yes with my life. And in, the, in my feeble attempts over the last few months to step beyond um, where I was before and to step into trusting God and taking risks and having faith that God will meet me <laughs> As I take a leap of faith and I talk to a stranger or, or as I share the gospel, I offer to pray for somebody. In those moments where I can't say that I'm constantly bold, but I'm bumbling my way through at the moment and hoping that I get to a place of confidence and boldness. But in that journey that I'm in right now, I'm learning, um, I'm learning how to hear the Father's voice. I'm learning um, how to trust God more. I'm learning that actually um, the, the, um, the times when I encounter God's presence for myself, I'm awakened to the fact that that may well be for somebody else very, very soon. I'm learning to walk hand in hand with Father God who, just like he did with Jesus as he walked the earth, is in constant dialogue. That as Jesus said, I only ever do what I see my father doing. That, that likewise as a son of God, I get to walk the earth and hear and see what the father's doing. And put the equity of my life behind that with conviction and boldness. Because we have to move away from being ones who are simply fed by God. To being ones who release who he is to those around us. And the question is, is... Um, is there is an amazing reality that comes as the light in the life of God and the light in the life of Jesus flows through our lives. It moves simple moments in our life into significant God-defined moments. And I think we're awakened to a much more strategic, much more uh, effective way of living this normal Christian life when we begin to start to realize we're simply to allow the light and life of God to flow through us rather than simply say, thinking that we are in some way a vessel simply just to carry those things. And, and some of the question for us is, are we really happy for the story of God's grace and mercy, Christ's redemption and restoration to be pointed out and just simply impacting our lives? Or are we going to allow that narrative, that story, to not just end with my life, but begin an exponential journey into the lives of the people around me? This is the choice of whether we say yes with our lives. The first part of um, Isaiah 35 
um, that Sarah shared on last week talks about the incredible way that God breaks into our lives and the, and the restoration and the, and the fruit and the healing and the redemption that is brought to our lives. But there's a point in that particular passage where, where, the, where the promise of God begins to take a shift and it, it begins to be more, way more pointed towards what we might see as a result of that restoration and breakthrough in our lives. Isaiah 35 verses 5 to 7 says this, and the prerequisite for all of this is that God breaks into our lives and then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, thirsty ground, bubbling springs in the haunts Uh, Where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. There is this um, very beautiful um, picture that this prophetic word, this promise gives to us. And that is that having encountered the reality of God which has transformed our lives, we now see that as that flows through us, that life flows from us. That as life has flown towards us in the goodness and character and nature of God to see breakthrough in our lives, it now is repositioned to flow from us. And it reminds us of that, that verse in John 7 where it says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom, uh, uh, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit has not been given since Jesus has not yet been glorified. In other words, believers, those who have encountered Jesus, the transforming work of Jesus, living water will flow from their lives. It's an echo of this promise we hear in Isaiah that living water would change the landscape of the lives around us. And the process of um, those who have known redemption, they've known transformation because of what Jesus has done in their life, now become a conduit for that transformation. They now become, uh, life flows from them into lives of other people around them. And it's a beautiful picture of our position as we, as we stand in the middle of a God who has transformed our lives and a God who wants to transform the world around us. See people's lives changed around us. And we and our life stands in the middle of that equation. And so us standing in the middle of that equation gives us an opportunity to either say yes, no, or maybe so. Standing in the middle of that, of that equation of a God who's transformed our lives, but a God who wants to transform the world around us, what sits in the middle of that is you and I and our decisions. Moment by moment to say, am I going to be in this moment, in this season, to my neighbor, in my workplace? Am I going to be a conduit for the very life that has transformed me so that life can flow into my city, into my workplace, into my neighborhood? Am I going to, what am I going to do? Am I going to say yes with my life? Or is the narrative of God's love going to end in silence because my life remains silent i'm reminded again of uh, another way in which um, the, 
Isaiah gives a beautiful prophetic picture of this flow between our lives being transformed and as a result, lives around us being transformed. And it's in Isaiah 61. I'll read it to you. It says, the, um, the year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Let me just pause there. Let me remind you again. This was the, these were the very verses that marked the mission of Jesus. As he stood up in the temple and he proclaimed, this is what I'm all about on the earth. And therefore, as as Christ followers, this is what we're all about on the earth. We realize that this wasn't just a a prophetic picture that might or might not happen. This this became life in the very life of Jesus. Spirit of the the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So these verses give us, start again by describing in such beautiful poetic terms the reality of the transformation that happens when Jesus breaks into our lives. When the good news of Jesus, the gospel, that that we weren't just once... um, sort of bad people slightly made better but we were dead people that were made alive in Jesus this is the gospel and we read in these verses the amazing transformation that happens when the gospel breaks into our lives that we maybe perhaps were ones who um who who were grieving but now through the transformation of the gospel we are now ones who are bestowed on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, that we get to encounter true joy rather than mourning, that instead of being ones who despair, we truly get to understand what it is to live a life of praise. You you see this glorious um, trade-off between the old and the new. But then right from there, Isaiah goes on and says this. He says, they will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And what does the display of his splendor actually look like? Verse 4, they, in other words, those that have been impacted by the reality of the gospel, the reality of Jesus, they, we, will restore the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They, we, will restore the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. First half of this passage is a beautiful promise. It's powerful for us to understand that in the context of this beautiful promise of, of what happens when the gospel, when life hits our life, what it, ha- what it does to us. But it leads us into an understanding of what we then are all about. As ones who have encountered li- life, we are now ones who allow life to flow from us. You know, we were ones who will be called oaks of righteousness, a displaying of his splendor. We will rebuild. We'll bring life where there's death. We'll bring, um, we'll bring life where there's darkness, light where there's darkness. 
And we get to understand that in the heart of God for us as, as ones who truly follow him is, is that we get to partner with his work of transformation. That actually he doesn't just say, I have, I've, I've stepped into your life and brought light and hope to you. But he says, as part of that journey, I now want you to become life and hope to those around you. I want you to be a demonstration of just how much I loved you. That I picked you out of where you were and I transformed your life. And now I want you to be part of the solution of seeing others experience hope. Others who were desperate and desolate. Whose lives looked like they were destroyed. I want you now on behalf of me to go in and, f- and allow that love that has come through and into your life. Transform the lives of people around you. Because I believe that God um, wants to use us. I don't believe that we were saved to go to church. Like I love getting together with you here. But for, to be honest, the, the, the goodness of God, the love of God, the life of God pointed towards my life always had an end destination. And it wasn't just my heart. It was the heart and lives of those people around me that don't yet know him. This, is, this was the end goal of the goodness and nature of God, that it would come through my life into the lives of those people around me. That my city would look different because I lead in such a way where I allow the life and the love of God to be demonstrated through my life. And I want to point us to another piece of scripture that I think helps us understand prophetically what this is. And prophetically really just means it helps us give a picture of what it might look like in our lives. You know, there was a strategy that I think God um, laid out in 2 Kings 9. Uh, sorry, 2 Kings 2, 19 to 22. And it's a, it's a story of Elisha. And it's the very first miracle that Elisha ever, um, ever performed. And, um, and it was the healing of the waters of Jericho. And I think it, 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 it's a prophetic picture, really, of this, uh, of the vision of God to see, see not just lives healed, but actually to heal the land, to heal cities, to heal streets, neighborhoods, workplaces, wherever it is that you find yourself. And this is what it says in 2 Kings 2. It says, Now um, the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. So you've got this equation. That the water is bad, and as a result of the water being bad, the land is unfruitful. So Elisha says this, he says, bring me a bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of the water and he threw the salt and said, thus says the Lord, I've healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water had been healed to this day, according to the word that Elisha spoke. So you've got this amazing story. Elisha recognizes the problem that's going on in Jericho, that ultimately the land is dead and dying. It's not fruitful. And he says, here's, here's, the new, here's what we're going to do. Here, we're gonna, I want you to bring me a bowl, and I want you to bring me salt. And I'm going to go to the source of the water, and I'm going to throw that salt into the source of the water. And as the salt goes into the water, it's going to heal the water. It's going to purify the water. And as a result, the land that was once unfruitful will become fruitful. It will be healed and restored. 
And I feel like this is a helpful picture for us because I feel like that's exactly what God does with us. That it's a picture of the church. That actually, that God is, is taking a bowl. It's a new strategy. And in it, he's placing salt. And we know that elsewhere in scripture, we understand ourselves as salt. And he takes us as believers and he throws us into the source of the water so that the water may be healed and that the land may be fruitful. But there's a moment in in that picture as we kind of graft it into our understanding of what God's asking of us today is to say, are we going to be that salt that places ourselves in the source of the water? Are we going to allow life to flow through us so that our workplaces, so our families, so that our neighborhoods can find uh, the healing revelation of who Jesus is? Are we going to allow ourselves to be positioned there? Is there going to be a yes that comes from my life and your life that says, I'm going to be that salt that is pointed towards the source of the water because ultimately we know that God wants to heal the land. And so there's a, there's a choice. There's a choice. Am I going to allow my life to be the conduit for life? Am I going to allow my life to be the conduit for God's love? Am I simply looking for a strategy of evangelism that helps people um, cerebrally make a choice to either accept or reject Jesus? Or am I really trying to allow the life and light and transformation of the gospel, which has so reworked my heart, become life and freedom to those that haven't yet found or experienced the love of God. And herein lies the question for us. There are countless choices within scripture where, where we get to say with our lives, yes, I give you my life. There's countless moments every day where we get to choose to step beyond anonymity and choose to allow the love of God, God who who loves people and wants to know people, to move in and through our lives so that people get a picture of just how good God is. There are those moments every single day. And I'm, I'm convinced that the part of our journey of maturity as a family is for us to strengthen ourselves. Not just in an understanding that God wants to impact our lives and then impact the lives of the people around us. We can understand that and we can write it down and we can even believe it. But until it has traction in our lives, until it looks like something, it's simply a theory or a concept. And I do not believe the Bible is, is an idealistic conceptual book. I think it's a book of life to equip us to a place where we can see the light and the life of Jesus change people's lives around us. And, um, and I know that in that lies a decision for us. It, in there lies a decision. Are we, going to, uh, are we going to be the end of the narrative of the gospel Or are we going to be a conduit for the message and reality of the gospel? And and for us, it it isn't just a decision now, sitting here on a Sunday morning. 
It's a decision tomorrow morning when you wake up. It's a decision when you, when you get to work and, and you realize you're, you're, you're in an environment or uh, a situation that's not necessarily conducive. But I think there, for us, there's grace in this journey for us. I think there's grace for us tomorrow morning to wake up and say, well, what does boldness and conviction look like in this area for me? What does it look like? What am I going to choose to do? And I would encourage you, and this is just a super practical thing that I'm learning for myself, is that if I wait until the moment to think about whether actually I'm going to step uh, forward and allow God to use me, if we wait for the moment to hit us, we will have waited too long. I think there's an intentionality um, around letting life flow through us, that if we're just simply waiting for God to do something around us that we can somehow partner with um, at, at the sort of, sort of pushing the person over the cliff type deal, then we probably have waited too long. The reality is I think we need to seek out opportunities to demonstrate the love of God. And that can look like a smile. It can look like the opportunity to care for somebody. It can look like how the attitude that you bring into work. It can be, you can begin the journey of, of demonstrating the goodness of God even before a word has ever dropped out of your mouth. But I would encourage you to be intentional. I'd encourage you. And I, I want us to go on a journey with this as, as a family. Because it, it hinges around this fact. And this is what I want to close with. It hinges around this fact. That God um, has designed. God has designed his good news. To be carried on the lives of people. He's designed and orchestrated um, the demonstration of who he is and he's entrusted it to you and I. And so in that lies a question for you and I. Do we say yes? Do we say no? Or do we more often land on the, well, maybe so. And I want to encourage us to move uh, with boldness and conviction towards not just recognizing that life and the goodness and the character of God um, can move through our lives. But look for the opportunities. Look tomorrow. Look today. How can I be the demonstration of a God who loves people so much? How can I communicate that to somebody around me? How can I step out in boldness and conviction? How can I move beyond perhaps my fears or insecurities or perhaps feeling like I'm concerned by the way I look? Because what, what, what is on the line is somebody's life. The reality that actually it may well be you that gets to share with somebody the fact that God loves them. Maybe it's you that will tomorrow pray for somebody who has back pain and that pain be healed. Maybe it's you that tomorrow, as a result, gets to walk someone into a relationship with Jesus. This is what hangs on the line with our yes, the yes of our lives. So I want to just pray for us as we close this morning and um, challenge us with that and invite God in to come and fill us with his spirit. That actually we would know God's presence with us, that we would journey uh, with him in and through this in the days and weeks to come. Why don't you stand?
Father, I thank you that um, you are so consistent in your love for us, that you love us, that you're faithful. And I ask God that we would uh, grow as a community and we would grow uh, as your kids in, in knowing that as we follow you, there is a response that comes with following you. There are choices that come with following you. And I ask, Father, that um, you'd reveal to us just how much you love the people around us. Father, when we go into work tomorrow and when we're on the bus tomorrow, when wherever we find ourselves tomorrow, you'd um, lay on our hearts the deep compassion that you have for humanity. That you love people. God, you love people so much that you sent your one and only son. You place such high value on humanity that you were prepared to give of yourself in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This was how much you valued us. And so, Father, as we wake up to that truth, not just for our own lives, but for the lives of people around us, Father, would you wake us up to the urgency? Would you wake us up to the reality that there are lives around us that desperately need to know you, that desperately need to come into contact with a Father who loves them? And the only way that that's going to happen is through me. And so, Father, I, we, I want to respond with boldness and with conviction. And so we ask for your help, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would envision us, you'd strengthen us, you'd give us boldness, you'd help us move beyond fear, move beyond uh, self-doubt, move beyond things that will hold us back. And in this whole area, God, I ask that we would grow as a church. You'd strengthen us as a family, that we'd encourage one another towards loving people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd love the prayer team just to come and be available this morning, uh, just over to my left. Um, if you're here this morning and you would just love someone to stand with you and pray with you, if there are things that are going on in your life that you just think, you know, I came here this morning and some of the stuff that I've been feeling in worship or some of the stuff that has maybe been shared, it just really resonated with my heart and I'd, I'd love just someone to stand with me and pray with me. The prayer team that will be over there would love just to stand with you and pray with you. So don't make sure you don't leave here this morning the same way that you came in, that, that people would love to just stand with you and pray with you. I'd encourage you that uh, over the stuff I've been sharing with you, I would love to hear testimonies uh, over the coming weeks of months of just where you've maybe stepped out. Ways in which you've just kind of, uh, you've taken hold perhaps of some of the things that got, God's been challenging you with this morning and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live life a diff- little bit differently. I'm going to speak to people. I'm going to open my eyes to the opportunities that God has for me. Come and tell me about the stories, even this week, that you uh, encounter. Other than that, I want to bless you guys to have a hangout. We've got refreshments, tea and coffee. We'd love for you to stick around. If you're new with us again this morning, head over to the info point before you leave. We've got some stuff we'd love to give you. Um, but other than that, have an amazing week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And bless you guys.